Hey everyone, uh, starting the show a little bit differently today. Um, in the, the spirit of Mental Health Awareness Month, which is now underway, I have a bit of a confession to make. I, I've talked for a while about how I struggle with anxiety, and my initial plan on Monday was to do a segment on the Jake Vertanen situation. Not to, to comment on, on whether I believe he is guilty or innocent, because that, that is certainly not my place, but more just a, a general frustration uh, around the culture of how these discussions tend to play out and as I was going through it I got extremely anxious and I got extremely panicked and had trouble getting through it which is why Monday's episode was 16 minutes and, and as I was going through the segment I was picturing how some people on the text line at the place I used to work at would respond and how some people I, I've talked with would respond and it, it really it really got me and I was almost, as I was going through the segment, I was almost apologizing for saying something that feels so undoubtedly right. And that's where, that's where we've got to with this whole thing. There are people who refuse to believe that there is anything wrong with the sport that reigns over this country. And it's that attitude, I think, that has caused a lot of these problems. And to be perfectly honest with you, it is exhausting to see some of the, the horrifying defenses of this type of stuff all of the time. And... I, I just, I very much got in my own head and I feel like this is an, an extremely important conversation to have and I, I didn't want it to be with me not in the right mind frame. Like, like I said, these conversations are very important and they get dismissed by a large group of people and they're, they're honestly conversations that I've wanted to have in past opportunities that I've had, but that fun little mental health thing pops up again, and I just never seem to have the confidence to be a voice in this discussion. E even today, before recording, I, I was talking myself out of it, because I'm not privy to that text line anymore, and I'm staying away from comment sections, and from different replies to different tweets, so I, I haven't seen as much of the same type of defenses this time around. But that becomes a problem itself because by and large th this is not something that directly affects me someone who looks like me can very easily avoid these conversations and turn a blind eye to what is going on because it's not something that is in my face every day but that type of thing has been happening for way too long. And then people believe the bubble they've created for themselves is just real life, and anyone expressing something that doesn't jive with what's happening in their tunnel vision must be lying, because they don't see it, because they're choosing not to look for it. And I'd love to not talk about this stuff. I would gleefully not talk about this stuff. I, I didn't get into sports talk to discuss sexual allegations in sports. I got into it because I love sports. I love the competition, and I love learning different things about these sports that I've grown up with. The problem is, the more I learn about the behaviors that have been allowed to pass in sports, the more sick of sports I get. And I don't want to hear about a guy being soft or about a guy not being a real hockey player when behavior like what Vertanen is accused of, and again, accused, um, but when, when that type of behavior gets a pass from so many people for so long. I also don't want to get to a point where every bit of analysis in sports is, well, this player struggled tonight, but he hasn't assaulted anyone, so can't really say a whole lot about him. We can have two separate conversations about this, but the uncomfortable conversations also need to be had, and they have been quiet for way too long. There are a number of layers to this whole thing, but my last little bit on this is 
sports absolutely saved my life when I was a kid. That is not hyperbolic, even remotely. Um, it's because, uh, it's not because I learned how to be a man in, in tough situations, but it's because of the teammates that brought me in and treated me with respect and treated me and brought me in to a, a welcoming atmosphere. And you just, you feel like you're a part of something and it gives you a much different confidence than anything else in any other walk of life can provide. And for way too many people in the sport of hockey, that's not the case. Some people are bullied out of the sport altogether. Some see things happen to people who look like them and see the utter disdain and the lack of empathy showed to the victims and don't feel like the sport is a welcoming place for people like them. And that is truly heartbreaking. I do want to mention, um, I understand this is painting with very broad strokes and very anti-hockey and very anti-hockey player. And there are so many examples of hockey players doing amazing things. And I believe in the city that I live in, in Calgary, the Flames do a great job with this. Michael Backlund, what he does just publicly is fantastic. What he's able to do with the Flames Foundation and different things on his own, again, that the public sees is fantastic. But there's stuff that he does when there's no cameras around and like 30 people know about it and and that's just because of word of mouth. It's incredible. And Mark Giordano has a reputation as a leader. And it's not because the hockey team he's the captain of has a ton of success. It is, I think, by and large, because of what he does in the community and what he does in this city that gets him the reputation that he has. There are so, so, so many amazing people in the sport of hockey. The problem is when the evil comes out, it's allowed to, and in some cases, it's even defended, and if that is even a minuscule percentage of the sport, it needs to be addressed, because there is zero room for any of that in sports, regardless of what sport, or just in the world right now. So, that is... It's something I wanted to get off my chest. Uh, I appreciate you listening. I know, again, that this is not what we come to sports for, but for too many people, it is just inescapable. Like I said, though, there are a number of fun things that are happening in the world of sports. So now we are going to start the show the way we normally do. I will hit the music. I will tell you what day it is, tell you all the different social media platforms that you can find me on, and then we can talk about the sporty things that we get into sports to talk about. So now it's time for the show. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Couch Potato Diary. I am Peter Klein. Thank you very much for the download and for listening. You can find me on Twitter at PrimetimeKlein, Instagram at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. If you have any comments on the program today, you can send them to me by email at CouchPotatoDiary at Yahoo.com. The music you are listening to provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at WX. S-T-E-D-T-X-L-E-N-T. Uh, you can also find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. So like I said before, the, the show on Monday wasn't the, the, the full extent of the program that I wanted it to be. On the, the show today, going to talk about a couple of things around the NFL draft. I, I know it wrapped up over the weekend, but just a couple final thoughts on that, including the Aaron Rodgers situation. Fun storylines that we're looking to follow in the last couple of weeks of regular season play in the NBA and in the National Hockey League. And we'll close things out with a preview of the match I am so excited for. It is tonight. It is AEW 
blood and guts. So let's get right into it with the NFL draft. And I, I don't I don't think we we need to go through every pick and do a hey, this is an A grade, this is a B grade, whatever, whatever, whatever. There was just a couple of other talking points from the draft that I would like to touch on before we, we finally put a bow on the 2021 NFL draft. One of the the picks that I had the most issue with was the Cincinnati Bengals as they take Jamar Chase, very good wide receiver, instead of taking a offensive lineman in Panay Sewell, a very good offensive lineman, and a spot that I thought the Bengals needed. And one of the defenses that was brought to my attention was, well, Chase and Burrow were teammates. And we saw this a couple of times in the draft, whether it be Chase and Joe Burrow, you see the Miami Dolphins taking Jalen Waddle to pair him with his college, or former college quarterback to a tongue of Iowa. And the, the Jacksonville Jaguars do it all in the first round with Trevor Lawrence and then bringing in Travis Etienne. The, the, the Jalen Waddle pick, I, I don't really have much of an issue with that I thought that was a, a very very smart pick but not because Waddle played with Tua but because uh, Waddle is one of the top three wide receivers in the draft and the Miami Dolphins certainly could have used another wide receiver so that, that one I had no problem with my issue becomes the defense of not protecting your young quarterback who again missed the last part of last season with an injury because he was getting the shit kicked out of him because his offensive line couldn't protect. The defense was, well, he's familiar with them. They're teammates. How could you not? You know who has managed throughout their NFL careers to have productive seasons without the team that they play for drafting guys who they played with in college? Fucking everybody. Tom Brady and Randy Moss did not have the greatest offensive season in the history of the National Football League because they both went to Michigan and both played college at the same time. If you look it up, you will see that that is not true. I'm fairly certain Joe Montana and Jerry Rice didn't spend a lick of time together in college, and yet they somehow managed to, to work their way through. Even, I, I just used Tom Brady as an example, they won the damn Super Bowl last year, and again, I am fairly confident that Mike Evans, who's 20-something, didn't play any college football with Tom Brady, who's 40-something. This just feels like the laziest bit of analysis that we could come up with, which is impressive because we've come up with extremely lazy forms of analysis before, but to justify not protecting your offensive linemen because the dude is buddies with the guy is just so ass backwards. I can't even wrap my head around it. And for, for Jacksonville, I think ETN is a, a fine running back. If you want to take him in the first round, I guess. I wouldn't have. Jacksonville is in the bottom of the league or was in the bottom of the league from a defensive standpoint. There were guys on the defensive side of the ball that certainly could have helped them more than the running back could have. And to justify that with, well, you need someone who Trevor Lawrence is familiar with. Do you? Do you? Because I don't think you do. I... I I, I haven't done a deep dive on this, but I, I'm fairly certain that Keenan Allen, who's been in the National Football League for a, t a long time, didn't spend any time with Justin Herbert in college, and yet somehow Justin Herbert managed to absolutely obliterate every rookie record that there was to obliterate from the quarterback position. Do not try to overthink things when it comes to the NFL draft. 
I understand these are people who spend a lot of time uh, analyzing these players, getting to know these players, studying people in their own locker rooms, and trying to figure out what the best fit is. I also understand sometimes these guys get these things really, really wrong. And to try to justify everything that they do, because, oh, well, they, they must know better. Must they? Because the Denver Broncos haven't been able to figure out the quarterback position in now half a decade. And the, the Chicago, uh, Chicago Bears haven't been able to figure out the quarterback position, I would suggest, almost ever. Certainly for my lifetime, uh, they had a guy who fit their system back in the day, and they had quite a bit of success with him. But there are teams, and there are general managers, that just, quite frankly, suck at this. And I'm not saying that's all of them. I'm not even saying I could do a better job of it. I'm just saying that justifying some of their picks by going to that length, you're going to hurt yourself at some point. And my last point on this particular point, if the, the only way I can get success out of a kid who I drafted with the number one overall pick in the draft is by bringing his buddy in, I got some bigger problems I need to worry about than just who he's throwing the football to because I now have an investment that I don't trust in. So I get it's a fun story. I, it's really cool how it worked out to like just taking a step back. I think it is awesome that we see all of these reunions with guys who played wide receiver and guys who were their quarterback in college. I think that's a really, really cool story and I absolutely love it. That can be where it stops, though. Just because I think, oh, shucks, it's neat, doesn't mean that, wow, that was a really smart move. The two can be completely different. Another one of the critiques I, I found of draft coverage was that if you watch the major networks, whether it be the NFL Network or whether it be ESPN, a lot of it was just too positive on all the picks. Every pick is the greatest pick that you've ever seen in your life. And boy, the the, the luck that they had that this guy fell to them at that spot is just absolutely incredible. They are getting a wonderful talent coming in. And, and to a certain extent, especially in the first round, that can get a little bit annoying. I will point out that they couldn't even butter up the Raiders pick at 17. And Alex Leatherwood might end up being a, a fine offensive lineman for a Vegas Raiders team that needs help on the offensive line. But that's still a reach. Regardless of how he turns out, that, that is still absolutely a reach and that is still fine uh, a fine thing to say. I, I would love to be guy who just left a mainstream platform and comes on and shits on all mainstream platforms. But this is one that I get. This is one I, I absolutely understand from their standpoint. You see the reaction, especially the last couple of years in drafts. You see the reaction of these guys when they get drafted. And for most of them, they have a green room this time in the NFL draft. But for most of them, they're watching it on TV with their friends and their family. And this is the greatest moment of their life. You don't want to be the dude on TV shitting on that guy while that's happening. You don't want to be at 12 overall. Micah Parsons drafted to the Dallas Cowboys. He's up there. He's celebrating. He's hugging his mom. High-fiving his friends. Everything. This is the, the greatest. He is drafted to America's team. You don't want the first thing he hears to be, oh, I was fucking stupid. Like, that, that would just be... That would be absolutely soul-crushing. And for the guys on TV... You have to provide analysis. Absolutely, yes. If they were to draft me, that would be a mistake, and they should talk about it. But 
these kids who are drafted in the first round, there's obviously at least some positive things you can say about them. So I think you, it is, in my opinion, it is defensible to not absolutely crush some of these picks on the greatest day of these kids' lives. You just don't want to be an asshole in that way. I will say, I would kind of like, like with ABC and ESPN, they, for the national championship in college football, they do a bunch of different broadcasts. I don't want to say that one of the broadcasts you should have should be the we're going to shit on every pick broadcast, but I, I think there could be a little bit more of a realistic draft show somewhere on the, the television broadcasting systems where, <laughs> shout out TBS, um, but, but somewhere where it's not just, hey, this is why this pick's awesome and this is why this kid's awesome. This is why everything about this is going to be awesome. You can provide a little bit more realism so that the main guys, the the, the Kuypers and the McShays and the Daniel Jeremiahs, aren't out here just ruining lives on the, the mainstream broadcasts. But you can maybe provide a little bit more positive insight where it's like, hey, I don't think that kid's going to be very good and this might be a bit of a struggle for them. I think you can have both of those, but this is a case where I understand not wanting to be the bad guy, not wanting to be the asshole, and just absolutely crushing some of these picks on what's supposed to be an amazing day in the life of these kids. One more draft note before we get into the Aaron Rodgers conversation. We stay in his conference in the NFC North. I cannot express how much I love what the Chicago Bears did. Moving up to number 11, drafting Justin Fields, even if it doesn't work out. And for everyone in charge in Chicago, this better work out. But you, you you take the home run swing and you absolutely strike out when it comes to Mitch Trubisky. But that doesn't scare you away from trying again. And too many times we have seen where, okay, well, that didn't work. Well, we need to try something completely different. And they, they bring in the veteran, Andy Dalton, but that doesn't keep you from drafting a, a young quarterback. Drafting quarterback is such an interesting balance in the National Football League because if you have, like, I feel like nothing is more dangerous than thinking you have the guy and not having the guy, because that can set you back for a very long time. And I think we're seeing that right now with the Denver Broncos, who think they might have the guy, and they might still get a different guy, but they've a couple of times thought they had the guy, passed on guys who could have been the guy, and now they don't have any guys. And the Chicago Bears thought they had the guy, won some games with the guy, but it's pretty clear he wasn't the guy, so they moved on from the guy. And I think that is to be commended. And then you go out and you get Justin Fields. The rest of this Chicago Bears roster is so, so, so good that I think if you even get average quarterback play, the Bears are going to be a force to be reckoned with in that division. And you look at how the rest of that division is shaking out at this current moment, the Detroit Lions, they're... Best player is the offensive tackle they drafted seventh overall. They, they, It's going to be a while before we hear from the Detroit Lions again. You look at the Minnesota Vikings, who are always, oh, they're right there, but not quite all the way there. And you have a Green Bay Packers team that is saying Aaron Rodgers is going to stay their quarterback. And whether he is or whether he isn't, either way, it's going to be an absolute cluster this season out in Green Bay. Things are opening up quite nicely for the Bears in the NFC North. And whether it's from Andy Dalton, who I don't think last season with the Dallas Cowboys was his fault, um, or whether it is Justin Fields coming in and trying to guide things a little bit, you don't need Justin Fields to carry you to the promised land. 
You just need him to not screw it up. Just get the ball to one of the most talented receivers in the NFL. Go out there and be the best quarterback Allen Robinson's ever had. The bar ain't that high. Go out and do that. Just make sure that David Montgomery, who's not as good as he showed last year, can just have a couple of holes to hit as a running back. And you'll be fine. This team will be really, really good. And the Bears recognizing that, don't get too cute at the quarterback position. Go out and get their guy. I love that pick from the Chicago Bears. And that's not something I've been able to say a whole lot about this Chicago Bears team in the past with how they have drafted. The biggest story, of course, from draft day was Aaron Rodgers. And that continues to be the biggest talking point coming out of draft weekend. It's Aaron Rodgers and what what are the Green Bay Packers going to do? And it seems like the official stance of the Green Bay Packers is, oh, we're, we're not going to do a damn thing. And really, they don't have to. Like, what realistically, what options does Aaron Rodgers have? Everyone, and again, I, I want to make this point abundantly clear. There are about 29 teams in the NFL where Aaron Rodgers is a clear and obvious upgrade, whether it be for now or in the future. Aaron Rodgers just won the MVP. He he is not a better franchise quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. And then you can make, like, Jacksonville's probably not trading for Aaron Rodgers. They just drafted a kid with the number one overall selection. The Chargers probably aren't drafting Aaron Rodgers. They, they got a pretty good one in Justin Herbert. Like, there are teams that obviously are pretty set with their quarterback situation, so they're not going to be trading for Aaron Rodgers. Like, does does that mean Aaron Rodgers is not an upgrade over Zach Wilson for the Jets? Well, of course not. But the Jets aren't going to go out and give out a ton of assets to go get a quarterback when they just drafted a quarterback with the seven, second overall pick. And that's why I think this whole situation is more about Aaron Rodgers' ego and Aaron Rodgers wanting to be in the spotlight than Aaron Rodgers wanting to get out of Green Bay. Because if he wanted to get out of Green Bay, leaking all of that information about what the Jeopardy executive producers were saying about him, uh, doing that Thursday right before the draft, that's not the time to do it. That is a, I know everyone's talking about the NFL, and I know I'm in the NFL, and if I do this, everyone's going to be talking about me, so let's get everyone talking about me. If you want to get out of Green Bay, do this two months ago. Instead of now, where teams have kind of figured out what they're doing at the quarterback position. Aaron Rodgers is certainly a quarterback that you try to make changes for and try to, to fit everything else around. And he, he obviously still has a lot left in the tank, but like a lot of these teams have already put everything in place and are now gearing up and to just stop on a dime and change everything you are doing. It's just, it, you don't see NFL teams do that. And that's why when you hear teams mentioned in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes, it's not the teams at the higher end of things. It's not, oh, well, what's Cleveland going to do? And yeah, I just mentioned Cleveland as a team in the upper end of things. But what are some of these high high priority teams going to do? It's, hey, look, there's some weapons in Denver. I mean, the Raiders are always in on everything. That's the neighborhood that you're playing around in. And also, I, I do want to say, he would be an instant upgrade to the Raiders and would make them... I don't want to say a contender because that division all of a sudden is really, really good. But same thing for the the Broncos. Like he he would be a very huge part of what Denver could be. And Denver is a lot like what Chicago was, where if you just get some pretty good quarterback play, things can really take off for you. So I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have an impact on any team that he's traded to. I'm just saying 
you provide yourself more options and a better possibility of getting the hell out of there if you do this a lot sooner than a couple hours before the draft. So to me, everything about this screamed, hey, 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 everyone, 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 look at me, 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 instead of, hey, I am not happy with this situation. I want out. Green Bay doesn't have to move them. I don't think Green Bay is going to move them. And they did this at the start of Aaron Rodgers' career with a guy who wanted out and then maybe didn't totally want out. They're just like, look, you're out. We got this young kid. They drafted Jordan Love for a reason. And I think they probably drafted him thinking that he might give it a go this season. But then Aaron Rodgers goes out and wins the MVP. And that confuses things a little bit. But I... Not that Green Bay would be fine without him, but Green Bay, I think, would be at least fine to try to be fine without him. And just seeing how this all played out, I don't think this was the crazy leverage play that Aaron Rodgers and his people thought it was going to be. All the beats that you hear on Couch Potato Diary are provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's are. You can also find their producer, Tommy Fresh, on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. To steal the sports cliche, it is crunch time in the NHL and in the NBA as we are coming up on the last week and a bit in both of these leagues. And to be perfectly frank, not as many playoff races as you would like to see. Not not as much of a playoff chase as you would like to see. You go through the standings right now in the NHL. There isn't any competition in the North. You have the Calgary Flames who are 10 points back of the last playoff spot in the division, and they're fifth. Ottawa's not doing it. And the Vancouver Canucks, who still have four games in hand, but are now 16 points back, that math doesn't really add up. So the North is basically done. The East division is just done, done. You have some jockeying for position in there, but that's mainly just to figure out, like, those are all very good teams. I don't know if there is an advantage, aside from getting home ice, I don't know how much of an advantage there is by being first over second in that division. In the Central, you have a playoff race. You have the Dallas Stars, who are four points back. But even that isn't a absolutely wildly dramatic one. And then in the West, you have a playoff race that we weren't expecting to have with the St. Louis Blues not having things wrapped up. But Arizona's not catching them. They are five points back. So it's kind of a limping to the finish in the National Hockey League when it looked like you could have, instead of, well, there's a playoff race in the East and a playoff race in the West, now you have four different sections where you could actually have playoff races in and none of them. So it's a little bit disappointing to to see how it is playing out, but you look at some of the potential playoff matchups that we could be getting. Toronto against Montreal for the first time in a very, very long time in the postseason is going to be a lot of fun. And Washington against Boston, that one's still... There's a lot of moving around that can be done in that, but Washington against Boston could be an absolute blast. An all-Florida matchup of Tampa Bay against the Panthers could be fun, and anything you get in the West is going to be absolutely must-watch. The West Division, I think clearly the best now in the NHL in this in how it is set up, where, I mean, Vegas against St. Louis is going to be a first-round matchup. That is crazy to me. And then Minnesota against Colorado, the Wild... I am all the way in on the bandwagon for the Minnesota Wild. 
I can't wait to watch four to seven games of that series. So the intrigue in the NHL is more, hey, can we just get to the playoffs already? Like I know Calgary and Vancouver have a bunch of games that they need to play at the end of the season. None of them are going to mean a damn thing. Can we just, can we not? And say, we, can we just do it on NHL 21 and just put a bow on it? And that's, that's just the season. Can we just get to these playoffs, please? Because that's... Aside from that, I, I don't know, like the, the main thing we are watching right now, and it's a really fun thing to be watching, to be honest, but the main thing we're watching right now is can Connor McDavid get to 100 points? You see Austin Matthews, Austin Matthews is going to get to 40 goals in an abbreviated season. That is crazy to, to wrap your head around. So we are seeing some unbelievable individual performances that I think are, are kind of allowing us to mask the just blah that we are seeing when it comes to the NHL playoff race. In the NBA, it is a bit of a different story. A, because it's still the one versus eight setup, um, and how you get to seven and eight is a little bit different, but because you have such a, a vast difference between playoff teams, getting some of those higher seeds is actually much more important than just like, Congratulations, Vegas, you get to play St. Louis in the first round. The Blues are going to be a tough out. I get this season's been a disappointment for them, but the Blues are still going to be really, really tough. So winning your division, like Toronto, you get Montreal, who are struggling um, the last little bit, but if they turn it on in the playoffs, is anyone shocked? Not really. It's not a gigantic reward, but because there is such a difference in the haves and the have-nots in the NBA, it's not just the playoff races that are the intrigue. There, there is a real advantage to finishing in the top two in the East and in the West. We'll start in the East, and I think getting the, the number one seed for the Brooklyn Nets is so, so, so important. You look at it, like right now, the, the possibility of them finishing third isn't out of the question. And then you're stuck with playing Miami in the first round, who have been disappointing this season, but I don't want to face the heat culture in the first round of the playoffs, that would be an absolute grind. If you get the second seed, the way it is shaping up right now, you would get the Boston Celtics. And Boston has a lot of stuff that they need to get figured out, but that is not an easy out. That is not a traditional seven seed. Getting that number one spot where you get to play the way it is right now, either Charlotte, Indiana, or Washington. I think the Raptors are done. Um, and I think Boston would beat Charlotte in that one-game playoff, so they would get the seven seed. To get either Charlotte, Indiana, or Washington, I think is such a big difference between that and getting either a Boston or a Miami that the race for first place in the Eastern Conference is a legitimate race. And I think it means even more for Brooklyn because as has been much discussed, their big three of Kyrie, Katie, and James Harden, JH just doesn't work, but their big three haven't played a ton of games together. And so they still need to figure out their chemistry. They probably will, and they will probably be fine, but I would much rather figure that out against Charlotte than having to figure that out against Boston and against Miami. Like having having that number one seed for the Brooklyn Nets almost makes up for some of the lost time that you have had in the regular season, not having those guys together because you're probably going to win that series. And you're probably going to win a series against Boston. You're probably going to win a series against Miami, but they're going to make you work for it. And you can't just give away a game or two in that series where 
all due respect to Charlotte, who have been a fun story, and it's fun to see them relevant, and maybe Indiana and maybe Washington, you can kind of screw around for a couple of games and figure things out and still be fine if you're Brooklyn going into those. Obviously, the best case scenario would be facing Washington because Russell Westbrook, and he has very close ties to a Kevin Durant and to a James Harden, and so I think having that matchup would be amazing. It looks like that is probably not going to happen. But now you have the the battle for the play-in and the, the different spots. And I I am a very big fan of how the NBA has set up the the play-in. And I, I think, is it a little bit gimmicky? Maybe. But it kept the Toronto Raptors in it for a little bit. And it made the Chicago Bulls go out and make a win-now move at the trade deadline when otherwise they would probably have been tanking. And so you just get rid of tanking for a couple of teams. And in the West, Sacramento doesn't blow things up for the 15th year in a row. And it's kept Zion Williamson playing meaningful games down the stretch. That is what you want. You just want to create more meaningful games. As we talked about on the show on Monday, you just want reasons to tune in for some of these games. And to, to have these playoff races means you're going to have the star players playing, and that is a very, very good thing. And I'm not just saying, all right, well, have all 15 teams make the playoffs, and there you go. You have to have a, a legitimate cutoff, and in the East, you are getting bad teams battling for spots. Like, Washington's going to be a play-in team, and they are currently five games below 500. The Raptors have been a rough team this season, and they had a shot at making the postseason. I get that you are not dealing with the tippy-top with some of these teams, but you look at the battle for that play-in spot in the West. As it stands right now, the Dallas Mavericks, 10 games out of first, four and a half games clear of Memphis, who's in ninth, they wouldn't have a ton to play for. Same with the Lakers. They they have, I, I don't want to say kept their heads above water because they're sixth right now, but they, they've done okay with no AD, no LeBron. Um, Andre Drummond gets hurt early on, but he's back. They have had they have had some struggles, but again, they'd be in sixth, comfortably in the playoffs, four and a half games clear of Memphis again. They would be fine. Instead, now both Dallas and LA are one game up on the Portland Trail Trailblazers, who are in seventh. And that dreaded seventh spot means you are playing. You have a bit of wiggle room because of how the, the play-in is set up where seventh plays eighth, the winner gets the seventh seed, and then the loser has to play again for that eighth seed. But if you are Dallas or the Lakers or or Portland, you really want to avoid that play-in at all cost. And it's not just because, well, duh, but also that eighth seed currently the Golden State Warriors. And they are not the Golden State Warriors of years past. But Steph Curry is playing out of his mind. I made the case for him to be MVP. I will admit I'm probably losing that because Nikola Jokic has been unbelievable with no Jamal Murray in there for the Denver Nuggets. But still, Steph Curry has been playing out of his mind. Are you telling me, regardless of who you are, whether you are Dallas, whether you are the Lakers, whether you are Portland, that Steph Curry just going bonkers for 65 is out of the realm of possibility in a play-in game, and then you're playing for your life against uh, a Memphis team that's sneaky, but whatever, or the San Antonio Spurs. Again, I don't. the Spurs certainly aren't the Spurs of the their dynasty years uh, over 20 years back in the 90s and the, the 2000s. But I don't want to go up against Greg Popovich with my season on the line. So this is creating 
legitimate stakes for all of these teams. And the the Lakers being bad for this little stretch and falling back into the, this playing round kind of bubble is making the competition for those first three spots that much more important. Right now, the LA Clippers are sitting in third. If the playoffs were to start today, we'd get Clippers-Lakers round one. How amazing would that be? I don't think the Clippers are going to be able to join Utah and Phoenix in that tie for top spot in the West right now, but it creates more stakes for the LA Clippers to not get into that spot to play the LA Lakers because that would be just absolutely devastating. And like Phoenix hasn't been in the playoffs in 10 years. They have an unbelievable season. Chris Paul should probably be getting more MVP consideration than he is. And congratulations, your prize could be potentially facing the LA Lakers in the first round. Having the Lakers in there is just such an extra level of intrigue to this whole thing. And I think, again, you get the importance. If the Lakers finish sixth, which is where it stands right now, once again, getting those first two spots in the Western Conference becomes so much more important. The West is different than the East. There aren't really any outs in the East. You're not getting a New York against Atlanta playoff series in in the Western Conference. There, are, there aren't any real easy outs, but there are easier outs, and you get into those by getting into those top two spots. So uh, I think for the NBA, there is a lot of intrigue right now, or even like New Orleans two games out of that 10th seed right now. There's still a chance, and again, we are seeing Zion Williamson in meaningful games and seeing how he responds. So that's a good thing. But the race within the race, I, I think, is so much fun in the NBA right now. Closing the show today with some professional wrestling as tonight is the night. I've been hyping it up all week. AEW's been hyping it up for a couple of months now. It's blood and guts. AEW's version of War Games is tonight. It is the pinnacle taking on the inner circle that last promo last week has me more excited for this match than I have been for anything on wrestling television in a very long time. They built it up to make it feel so important. And I, I do feel like it's probably going to go the pinnacle's way tonight. I, I don't think that it is a... This doesn't really seem to me to be a, well, what's going to happen? How are they going to do this? Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? Because it, it does kind of feel just having watched wrestling before, that this should be the pinnacle. However, there is that thing in the back of my mind that's saying, well, it could be the inner circle though. And I just want to see from a wrestling fan standpoint and from a storytelling standpoint, I just want to see how they do it. I just want to see how a match that for years and years and years was the blow off to feuds. This one is starting it. As I talked about last week, that this is the Kickstarter for this feud. How are they going to do it tonight? I, I just, I, I am so excited to see how they're able to, to maneuver this. The official prediction is the pinnacle ends up getting the win. It's AEW and we've seen them do some crazy big things over the last little while. I, I don't want there to be a, a big reveal like, oh my God, he's the sixth man. This is crazy. Or a big turn or anything like that. I, I just, I think with AEW now, kind of done with the big surprises for a little bit. We're kind of done with the big reveals for a little bit. It is now time to just focus on these storylines. The focus tonight should be on these 10 men in this match and just seeing how it all plays out. I cannot 
wait. We will have a full breakdown of this coming up on the Friday edition of Couch Potato Diary. That is going to be the more combat sports focused episode as again we look at AEW Blood and Guts plus what the WWE did. Loved SmackDown last Friday. We'll break that down and preview this week's SmackDown coming up. I probably will swear a little bit less about Monday Night Raw this week. Everything going on in professional wrestling. A couple big shows in New Japan as well. And then in the world of mixed martial arts, you get the UFC with a new superstar at 205 pounds. So a lot to talk about when we reconvene on Friday to chat the old face punching. If you have any thoughts on the show, send them my way on Twitter or Instagram at PrimetimeKline. You can email the show couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. If you want to see me on Twitch, that is twitch.tv slash primetimepk. The music for the show that you're listening to right now is provided by Wasted Talent. There are X's where the A's are supposed to be. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent. You can also find their producer at Tommy Fresh Music on Instagram. If you can't get enough of me, my general history podcast with my wife came out earlier today as we chatted the apartheid much different conversation than what you heard on this show uh but that comes out every wednesday morning next week we're getting into a subject that uh it's very strange that i know a lot about it but it's a subject i know a lot about you'll have to hear the reveal coming up on the podcast and if you want to follow that it is instagram.com slash we had no idea podcast thanks for listening rate review subscribe wherever possible and i'll chat with y'all on friday i'm out